Happy Easter, everyone. It is Resurrection Sunday 2020, and I know it's an Easter unlike anything we ever dreamed of or thought of. But this is the day that we celebrate. It's the day that we come together. Even though we may not be able to be together physically, it's the day that we come together and we celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty. We celebrate the fact that the stone was miraculously rolled away, that that grave was void, that Jesus, who had been dead, is now alive. It's Resurrection Sunday, and I want to say, he is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm glad that you're joining us this morning. For those of you who are a part of our Hilton Head Island Community Church family, I want to let you know how much I miss you and how I was so looking forward to joining back together in this place on Easter Sunday. But you know what? God is greater, and he knows all, and he is sovereign. And there's some reason that he wants the church, capital C, to be meeting online throughout the world. And we can still come together and we can celebrate this great Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. And that's what we do on Easter. We celebrate the risen Savior. Easter Sunday is the most glorious day. It's the day that we come around and we give him glory for what he did. But I got to tell you, Friday, Friday was tragic. Jesus had come into Jerusalem, as we talked about last week. He was greeted with the sounds and the symbols of, of a king, of a conquering warrior. He was greeted with the anthem of, it is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were celebrating that this rabbi, that this one, he might be the Messiah. And they were giving him the praise that he was due. But then a turnaround came. A great turnaround in a matter of just a few days. He went from triumph to tragedy. Convicted wrongly of things that he had not done. Flogged, beaten, embarrassed. Put through a phony trial and all of a sudden on Friday at 9 a.m. He found himself, Jesus did, in tragedy on the cross. Nails through his hands nails through his feet, his body beaten from what they had done earlier that morning. A crown of thorns pressed into his brow, bleeding and naked. And the crucifixion for the Romans during the Roman Empire was meant to intimidate. It was meant to overwhelm. In fact, the crucifixion was meant to torture. It was meant to bring about an agonizing horrific death. It was meant to shame. It was meant to put to shame anyone who did anything against this great empire. When we look at that cross today, we think of something else. But in that day and age, people, when they saw the cross, they automatically knew the signal that Rome wanted them to have. And that was anyone who dared go against Rome, who do, dared ha, uh, bring about an insurrection against the Roman Empire. Anyone who said anything against Rome always had the cross to intimidate them. They had the cross to bring about fear. The very picture of it itself would have scared people who glanced at it. That cross that means so much to us today was the symbol 
of imperial Rome's fear and intimidation to keep people under control, to make sure that they were intimidated enough that they would do nothing, they would do nothing against Rome. And so this great transformation happens over the course of really about 30 years, which is a a very small amount of time if you really think about it in that day and age. That symbol that we look at right now, that symbol that's right behind me, that symbol that you probably have in your home, you have probably somewhere, maybe some of you even have it in a car or at your office, that symbol that was the symbol of intimidation in a very short period of time had a major turnaround. In a very short period of time, that symbol became the symbol of love and of grace and of mercy. Because God chose to go to the cross, to die that brutal death. You see, Friday was tragic. And we see this turnaround. We see this turnaround that happened in Jesus' life on that last week of his life, how he came with triumphal entry, how he ended up being tragically beaten and, and put on a cross. And then all of a sudden, something happened. He went from tragedy on Friday to transformation on Sunday because he was now alive. On Palm Sunday last week, just two weeks ago, we we began this very short two-part series called Turnaround, and we see through Jesus' life the turnaround that he has, but I want you to know today that wherever you are spiritually, wherever you are in your life right now, whether you're a skeptic, whether this whole Christianity thing, you think it's a fraud, you think it's a sham, or whether you're joining us right now, and you believe, but you've had doubts, or you believe, but you've had trouble, or you believe, but you've had things happen, like let's see, a worldwide pandemic that have caused you to wonder if God is really in control. I wanna let you know that the transformation that happened in Jesus' life can happen with you. The transformation that happened with that cross, that model, that symbol, that icon of intimidation, and how it changed to a symbol of love and grace and mercy, that kind of turnaround can happen in your life. And today, on Easter 2020, I wanna talk about three turnarounds that happened in Jesus' life and a couple turnarounds, one one that happened in Jesus' life and two that can happen in our life. We wanna take today a look at three turnarounds that we have, three transformations that we can go through. First and foremost, I wanna look at the transformation of Jesus himself. Jesus had died on that cross. In fact, all four Gospels are consistent with the fact that Jesus was dead. Agnostics, unbelievers, scholars, people who strive after the facts of the matter, most people, even those who may be unbelievers, agree that there was a man and his name was Jesus and that he was crucified and that he did die. Jesus was dead on the cross. He was put inside a tomb, a giant stone rolled in front of a tomb, and and to say that it was a stone makes it sound insignificant. It would have been something that would have dropped into a dugout path, a trough, so that it couldn't have been moved except for a group of people and tools that would have moved it after a long period of time. He was put in that tomb And I love how the Gospel of Mark puts it so bluntly in Mark 15, verse 37. It says, it records, that Jesus uttered a loud cry. 
and he breathed his last. He uttered a loud cry, and Jesus breathed his last. You see, I want you to know today that Jesus was dead, that he had died, that God had set his son into the world, that he had chosen to, to become man, to put on skin and bone, to become flesh, and to live for 33 years, going through many of the trials that we go through today. And that at the end of his life, that he was dead. But I want you to hear that the story of the resurrection, the story of Easter, is that Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive. He is alive. And the Gospel of Matthew records that Jesus is alive. The angels said to the women, the women went looking for his body. They went to the tomb that day to check on him. And there was an angel there, and I'm sure they were incredibly scared at this moment in time. And we're going to be talking about this a little bit more in the next series that we do. I'll talk about that in a moment. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And he says, he is not here. He has risen as he said, come and see, come and see the place where he lay. I would imagine that the people that had been there at the foot of the cross, who were followers of Jesus, at that point in time, I'm sure that they probably had this overwhelming moment of great despair. I want you to think about them for a moment there at the foot of the cross. Most of them had left their family and they had left their jobs and they had left the security of whatever they had that made them secure in the past to follow this man who was a carpenter. Most of them had been picked up around the Sea of Galilee. They were successful in whatever it was that they were doing. And they left and they followed Jesus and here he is at the very end and he has died. And, and sometimes I think we conjure up this picture that the followers of Jesus had such a great faith that, that maybe at the foot of the cross there, as Mark says, he, he made a loud cry and he breathed his last. I, I think that maybe we make the mistake of thinking that these followers of Jesus might have looked at each other and went, wow, it's too bad he's dead, but he died for our sins and now we have eternity. No, that's not what it was like. I'm sure, that there, I'm sure that there was great despair. Like they might have looked at each other and, and thought, and maybe even said to each other, maybe the skeptics were right. Maybe he was a fraud. Maybe we've left everything to follow this one who said that he was the son of God and he was gonna bring about the kingdom of God and now he's on that cross and he's gone. Are you kidding me? I'm sure that they were in great despair. But then, Mary Magdalene and the ladies who go to the tomb that day, they realize that he is gone. And they go and they tell the other disciples, Cynthia read it earlier, they go and tell the other disciples that he is risen, he's risen indeed. And I would imagine in that moment, there was great rejoicing that, you know what, this whole thing is true. Part of the Sunday morning Easter resurrection day is about those followers who were there on the scene that day realizing that Jesus had died and now he's alive. You see, that's the great transformation 
that took place that day. Jesus died and he's now alive. But I want you to know, whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're a seeker or skeptic, I want you to know this, that that act on the cross that day, the act of God defeating death, of raising him from death to life, that those things he did for you, this is, this is the pinnacle moment in human history. It's everything changed on this one act of sacrifice. And what that did is it allowed the next two transformations that I want to talk about to become available for us. You see, the first one is actually about Jesus' life. Jesus died, and now he's alive. But the second transformation that I want to talk about is an earthly transformation that can happen with us if we believe in him. And that is, is that our physical circumstances may be unpredictable, but we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with us. That's the second transformation that can happen. I don't have to tell you in 2020, in April of 2020, that our world is unpredictable. You all know it. I had to think for a moment whether it was April or March because none of us even know the date because we've been in quarantine and we've been at our homes for so long. I have to actually look at, I have to look at something. I have to look at a device to make sure what day it is right now. And I'm sure most of you are, are with me on that. The pain of life is obvious right now. It's evident. It's real. And the Bible is the real word of God to his real people to tell us the real truth. And the fact is, is that right now, we are not in control of anything, are we? We're not in control of anything. We have disappointment. It abounds, and it may be personal. It may be global, but disappointment abounds. And Jesus, I love Jesus because I love his honesty in his teaching, in his, in his ministry of teaching, he would, he would be brutally honest with his followers, one of the people who could hear. And in John 16, we see recorded that he said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then he follows it up this way. There was a reason he told them that they could have peace because he says in this world you will have peace. Tribulation, that's just a big word for trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. But he says this, take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. The Apostle Paul continues this theme, and I love, again, Paul's honesty. We just did a whole series in Losing My Religion on the Apostle Paul and the transformation that happened in his life as well. But he says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. He says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. I, I, I love that part from Paul, that honesty. Because in that moment, Paul is admitting that this physical body, it, it just deteriorates as time goes on, some quicker than others. But that's what happens. And so we have to know that, first and foremost, that life is unpredictable. But I want you to know, here's the truth, here's the transformational truth, and that is, is that life may be unpredictable, life may stink sometimes, life may be full of trouble sometimes, but I want you to hear that God is with us, that God 
is with you. That while our world is unpredictable, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have someone who can help us navigate the trouble of life. Once again, Paul writing this letter to the church in Rome, he says this, what shall we say to these things? He's talking about all the different trouble. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then we skip down to verse 35 in one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress or persecution, or famine, fa famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or COVID-19 separate us from the love of God, or quarantine, or a stay-at-home order. And he says this in verse 37 and 38. He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him, who loved us, through him who loved us. He says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the reason that I mention this today on this Resurrection Sunday is that there are some of you who believe in Jesus as your Savior. You've accepted him as your Savior. You have chosen, you decided long ago, or maybe it wasn't so long ago, to make him your Savior. But the problem is, is that you allow the trouble of this world to get to you to the point where you don't look like or act like you have the power of God on your side. And trust me, I know because I've been there. I've been there. I get that. But you see, we have God with us. God with us. You know, sometimes we have trouble. Sometimes we so quickly separate the cross from the kingdom. So often we, we separate what Jesus did on the cross and we say, well, that is for my eternity. That's for everything after I die, and that is true. But he also died so that you could live in abundance while here on earth. He died so that you could live trusting him through the tribulation of life. Trust me, even yesterday I had to reach out to some of my close friends to say, hey, would, would you pray for me? To be honest with you, part of the reason was is I, I wanted this room full for Easter. Man, I, 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 I couldn't even imagine like talking to you this way. And uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I cannot tell you how much I miss you. We miss you. Cynthia and I miss you. Our team, small team, by the way, we're legal. Okay, so we miss you. And we want to be with you. And we want you to be here with us. And to be honest with you, I've had a few weeks where I've been a little bit um, kind of upset by that. And I had to kind of get back to realize that nothing separates us 
from the love of God that's in Christ. We may be quarantined from each other, but we do not have to be quarantined from him. He is with us. He is with us. And that's part of the resurrection story, that the cross and the kingdom go together. Do you realize that the moment that you believed in Jesus, that the moment that you decided to accept him as your savior, do you realize that the reason we call it born again, Jesus talked with Nicodemus and talked about how we're born again, the reason that that's the case is because in that moment we take our first step into eternity. Our life doesn't begin at birth, it begins with our eternal birth because that's eternal life. Our kingdom life begins at the moment of salvation and continues into eternity after our death. God is with us. Even when it's dark, even when we're lonely, even when we don't understand what's going on, even the world, when the world around us confounds us. And that's the second transformation the first is, is that Jesus went from death to life. The second is that while our physical circumstances may be unpredictable, God is with us. And the third that I want to talk about today is that our future, our future was eternal death separated from God. That's what it was before the cross. That's what it was before the empty tomb. But now it's everlasting life with him. It's now everlasting life with him. That's the transformation. That's the turnaround that can happen, has happened in many of your lives who, who you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. You've chosen to believe in him. You decided to believe in him. Your eternity is set forever. But the Bible tells us that if we don't believe that the opposite is true, in fact, Romans puts it pretty bluntly. Paul's letter, again, in Romans 6.23, he says, for the wages of sin, that's the result of sin, that's like the, the product of sin, that's the production of sin, it's death. And that word death there is not talking about a physical death, it's talking about an eternal death. But the free gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we move when we believe in Jesus, when we believe in this miraculous, like defining moment of the resurrection, we move from eternal death into eternal life. John Eleven twenty-five. 25, I love this story, I love this story. Some of Jesus' greatest friends, we talked about them last week, they lived in, um, in the little town uh, of Bethany right outside of Jerusalem, and Jesus would kind of use their home as an outpost. These two sisters, Mary and Martha, different from Mary Magdalene and Mary's mother, there were a lot of Marys in Jesus' life. And so Jesus visits Bethany quite often, and Mary and Martha serve him, and they, they help his ministry. And, 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 and he's in uh, before Palm Sunday, before he comes into Jerusalem on that last Passover, he's staying there in Bethany. And, and something amazing happens. Their brother, Lazarus, is dead, and then Jesus brings him back to life. And, and it's a great story, and Justin talked about it this week uh, in one of our devotionals. I loved it, um, or, or Chris talked about it this week in one of our devotionals. It's a great story, amazing thing. But I want you to see what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, 25. 
he said to her, said to, to Mary and to Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes, he says in John eleven twenty five, 25, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Even though he died, those who believe in Jesus, even though they die a physical death, they will live forever. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so the last turnaround, the third turnaround, is for those of you who might be seeking to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you can go from eternal death to eternal life by one decision in your life, and that is to believe in Jesus, to believe in his death, to believe in his burial and resurrection, and to believe that he is who he said he was, and that is God's son, the Messiah, the one who came to resolve our real problem. A few years ago, five years ago to be exact, this time of year, uh, my mom passed away after a six-week battle with the return of cancer. It shocked us all. It came on in an instant. And, and it was this time of year, it was actually the week she actually passed away, um, one week before Easter. And, and it kind of cast a bit of a shadow for me over that Easter because and I loved my mom. I, I could call and talk to my mom about anything. She got me. She understood me. Um, I, I, get my, I get my personality from my mom. I get so much of who I am from my mom and my dad. I, I'm a perfect, probably a, a perfect mix of my mom and my dad. Maybe not a perfect mix, but anyway. And I get my towering height from my mom. She was all of five feet. And I loved my mom. And I miss my mom. And that Easter was so incredibly difficult, but I want to tell you something. If you're listening today, maybe if you're listening a few days later, and you wonder, is this whole thing really true? The hope that I have for Susan Cullen, the hope that I have for my mom, is that she, without any shadow of a doubt, had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior as, as a child, she believed in Jesus. She had decided to make her, him her savior. And I know today, and I have hope today, hope beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I will see her one day in heaven. In that moment that she believed, in that moment that she accepted him as her savior, she took her first footstep into eternity, that death on, in, on this world, in this life, was not final for her but not because of anything she did, not because of anything that she strived for. It was all because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, what he did for us. And so we have three great transformations, three great turnarounds as we look at that cross and think about how the symbol of that cross turned in a very short period of time, I want you to know that your life can turn around. You can have transformation. Just like Jesus went from death to life, you can too. Just like we can go from being hopeless in this life without God to being hopeful about the future because he is with us, 
you can have that transformation too. But you can have the transformation that matters for eternity. And that is, is believing that he is the Savior. Believing that he is your Savior and making it personal. If Jesus has given you a turnaround in your life, you know what today is? Today is a day of celebration. Even though you may not be able to go to your favorite restaurant, I hope you don't. (laughs) Even though you may not be able to have the normal house full of family and to eat the ham and whatever you eat on Easter Sunday, we all have different traditions. It is a reason to celebrate, even if you have to be quarantined to your home, even if you have had someone who has suffered from this horrible virus, even if you've had a family member or a loved one, a friend pass away from this horrible virus, you can celebrate because he is risen. If Jesus has given you a turnaround already, today is a day of celebration. And if you have not experienced a turnaround in your life through Jesus, why not today? Why not today for you? Why not make him your savior today? Why not take up the invitation that he offers to be a part of his world forever? N.T. Wright is my favorite theologian. In fact, I got the idea for this turnaround series from a book that I read from him, and he says this. He says that the resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. Jesus always talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He says it is the decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what I don't want you to miss. He says the message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ. And that now you are invited to belong to it. You are now invited to belong to the family of God. One of the most familiar verses, probably the most familiar verse in all of scripture is John three sixteen. Even if you are a skeptic, you probably have heard it and maybe even know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, what's that next word? Believes. Believes in him. Should not perish, but have eternal life. And N.T. Wright talks about the invitation that God is extending to all of us to belong to his family And I want to extend that invitation to you who may not yet believe right now. I'm going to ask our worship team and our band to go ahead and come back up here this morning. I want to extend an invitation to you. Right now, um, you're probably not being invited to too many places. (laughs) Again, I hope you're not. And I hope if you are, you're not taking people up on the invitation to gather because we're not supposed to gather. But you know, the invitation is something that um, we may miss in the Easter story. We may miss this, this idea that God in doing the great work that he did by, by sending his son to die, by rising again three days later, going from death to life, that that was an open door into his kingdom, <laughs> which is already at hand. It's already here. And the invitation is open for you 
to come in to the kingdom of the king of the Jews. You know, they mocked him by putting that title over him on that cross that day, but there was truth to it. He was the king. And the king is inviting you to become not only part of his kingdom, but part of his family. It's the greatest invitation that you could ever, ever say yes to. It's the greatest invitation that you could ever receive. And so my question is, why not today for you? Why not today for you? Why not make him your savior today? Why not today choose to believe? With all the uncertainty in life, the most uncertain time in my lifetime, and even those who experienced the wars of 50, 60 years ago say in some ways this is more uncertain. Why not with all the uncertainty in life choose to believe? There's no sacrifice that has to happen. There's nothing that you have to do to prove your worth to God. There's nothing that you have to do to, to try to get him to accept you any more than he already does. He died for you. He died for you. And he's asking you to come on in be invited into his kingdom. Right now, I'm gonna pray as the band plays and wherever you are, if you're a Christ follower, right now, I want you to pray for those who aren't yet. But if you're not yet a Christ follower, if you haven't believed in Jesus, if you haven't taken that first step into God's kingdom, I wanna encourage you to do that right now. And I'm gonna pray a prayer and wherever you are, if you're at home by yourself, if you're at home with your family, wherever you are, if you're driving in the car right now, pull over. Or just pray this prayer because God doesn't care about the words. He, care, he cares about the intent of your heart. I'm gonna pray this prayer and I'm gonna ask you and invite you to pray it with me, to walk into your freedom, into your kingdom forever, into his kingdom forever. Father, today on Easter 2020, I realize the great work you did for me on the cross. And I realize what you did by going from death to life. And today, on April the 12th, 2020, I admit that I'm full of sin, problems, and trouble. But I choose right now to believe in you, Jesus, to be my savior. If you prayed that prayer wherever you are, I wanna encourage you to let me know about that. I wanna encourage you to let me know about it. Let us know about it. You can send an email to info at hiltonheadislandcc.org. You can call a friend of um, maybe, maybe someone who you know is a Christ follower. You can get on our website and let us know somehow. You can put it in the comment section of whatever social media platform you're watching right now. On our website, we've got a page where you can respond and I want you to respond so that we can be praying for you because if you prayed that prayer along with me, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday night or later this week, you're watching, you've taken your first step into eternity and you've accepted the invitation from the King. Father, I thank you for those who today have walked into your kingdom who have walked into your home. God, I pray that the, that the truth of the resurrection, 
that the magnitude of what you did both on the cross and by defeating death would rest on all of us, that we would be ever aware of that seminal event, that great event, the greatest thing that has ever been done self-sacrificially in the course of human history. And we give you praise and we thank you for that. And I pray that you would help those Christ followers who are here today, who are listening today, who may be gathered in their, in their homes or in their car or with their family, maybe by themselves. Father, I pray that you would remind them that no matter their trouble, that you are with them. And God, for the new Christ followers, I pray that you would anchor them to you and to your word and to a church that's gonna help them grow in their faith. We thank you for the beauty of the resurrection. We thank you for what this day means and we celebrate you now. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen.